0: Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Shackman. There was once a time when we didn't think that a global pandemic was possible in the 21st century. The events of 9-11 took us by surprise, just like the events at Pearl Harbor. Yet all of these tragic events were imaginable, and some aspects of them even made their way into fiction long before they happened. Joan Didion said that we tell ourselves stories in order to live. We read stories to children as a way of teaching them meaningful lessons about the real world. The purpose of art and literature is to give us some deep albeit abstract insight into human behavior and what makes the world go round. I've talked here before how this is so true in the realm of science fiction. It is equally true in fiction about what might very well be the world's next battleground, its next world war. That is what my guests, distinguished Admiral James Stavridis and former Marine and award-winning author Elliot Ackerman give us. In their new novel, 2034, they remind us that events like a pandemic or a war are at core a failure of human imagination with respect to both the events and human behavior. Imagination, which must be our first line of defense in preparing for any eventual future. Elliot Ackerman is the author of several award-winning novels, his most recent Red Dress in Black and White. He's been nominated for the National Book Award, and his writing appears in Esquire, The New Yorker, and The New York Times. He's a former White House fellow and Marine and served five tours of duty in Iraq and Afghanistan, where he received the Silver Star, the Bronze Star, and the Purple Heart. Admiral James Stavridis is one of our most distinguished military officers. He spent 30 years in the U.S. Navy, rising to the rank of four-star admiral. He was supreme commander at NATO and was the commander of U.S. Southern Command. During his service, he commanded a Navy destroyer, a destroyer squadron, an aircraft carrier battle group. He holds a Ph.D. from the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University, where he served for five years as its dean. It is my honor to welcome Elliot Ackerman and Admiral James DeVridis here to talk about their new novel 2034. Elliot, Admiral, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks,
1: Jeff. Thanks,
0: Jeff. It's great to have you both here. Admiral, I want to start with you. When we look at what the dangers are that we face today, what are the lessons that we need to carry with us and the lessons, perhaps, that we should put aside that we learned during the 50-year-long Cold War?
2: Um, Number one, and you alluded to it already, we need to consciously imagine what a war with China would look like, because then it becomes a cautionary tale. We need to study how we could conceivably stumble into a war like that, because then, Jeff, we could reverse engineer it and try and avoid it. And then thirdly, we need to realize that technology is moving rapidly. And that advances in cybersecurity, in space, in stealth, hypersonic cruise missiles. This is real. Those are all the elements that go into the book 2034, but I'll I'll close by saying it's a very character-driven book. There are characters who, if you will, uh, represent the United States, Iran, Russia, China, China. And I think readers will find it very approachable, very readable, and that's why I'm so fortunate to team up with a novelist like Elliot Ackerman.
0: Elliot, talk a little bit about this idea of, of, first of all, the story in 2034 being character-driven, but also in a world today where technology moves so quickly, where events happen so fast and could spiral out of control so fast, leading to a war the way in which human behavior and and character becomes more or less important in the dangers that we face today.
1: Well, the book 2034, I mean, opens with uh, a series of twin incidents, the first being in the South China Sea and the second being in the Straits of Hormuz and in the airspace above Iran. And the combination of these two incidents really leads to a escalatory crisis that drives both the United States, China, and then other nations into war. But war, by definition, is the contest of human wills. So as much as technology plays a role in 2034, ultimately, if you want to understand the true nature of warfare, you have to understand really the nature of its participants, uh, the characters that are driving these events forward. And so we endeavor to write a book that, yes, engage with technology, engage with geopolitics, but at its core, was about the individual characters that are enmeshed in these events and that are making the, the making decisions in uh, you know, really under really, really challenging circumstances.
0: And Admiral, what kind of fail-safe systems do we have in place today that might protect us from these dangers that that in some ways may help or even in some cases override human decision making?
2: Um, I, I wish I could tell you that such mechanisms exist, but they they really do not, Jeff.
0: Um, and today
2: we have to rely on the steadiness of our armed forces forward deployed to avoid the kind of incident that kicks off uh, 2034. Um, think back 100 years ago to the start of World War One. It was a an assassination that occurred in the Balkans that launched a war that no one wanted. No one was going to profit from it, but the world stumbled into it. And unfortunately, there are no safeguards uh, to avoid that. And that is a major reason we wrote the book. 2034 is simply to provide a cautionary tale. And I hope a lot of policymakers will read it.
0: Should we, Admiral, should we be looking at kind of mechanisms to put in place, either from a technological perspective or more specifically from a policy perspective, to try and and, and create those mechanisms? I'll give you two ideas.
2: Uh, One is a very practical one, and it is something that worked during the Cold War, and that's hotlines. It's the ability to pick up a designated immediate conversational line between the leaders, in this case, of the United States and China. We have a whole mechanism that can get President Xi on the phone and get President Biden on the phone. But To my knowledge, there is not a direct, if you will, red phone. That kind of connectivity helps. Second idea, we should be working with China, Navy to Navy, to establish protocols about how our ships will interact at sea. We had those with the Soviet Navy. And there are things like... I won't turn on my fire control radar, which is how I direct a missile. I won't shine you with a fire control radar. I won't approach any closer than 4,000 yards. Um, So there are uh, mechanisms like that that can be helpful at a very practical level. And then finally, philosophically, um, policymakers at a classified level need to create a strategy that that creates red lines, where we know uh, we will not be pushed. and, And above all, we create policy mechanisms that avoid painting our opponents into a corner. That's what I really fear is a miscalculation in those kind of circumstances. There's three ideas to deal with it.
0: Elliot, talk about the complexity of the world today. We talk about the Cold War, and there's certainly lots of lessons from that. But in many ways, the battle during the Cold War was a binary battle. Today, the world, as, as you guys write about in 2034, is a more complex place. It's China, it's Iran, it's North Korea, etc. cetera. Talk about the increased complexity and the added danger that that creates.
1: Well, I think that's absolutely right. You know, we don't live in a we live in a multilateral world right now, increasingly so, you know, with the with the rise of China and other powers. And, you know, what we see in 2034 is that when war breaks out between the United States and China, other nations like Iran, like Russia, are also looking to benefit uh, from that conflict and to try to turn events in ways that are advantageous to them. Uh, and that greatly increases the complexity for the decision makers uh, that are engaged in this uh, scenario we've created. I mean, if you, if, you know, if you look back at the last hundred years, uh, which I think we can qualify as an American century, I mean, you'll see that that American century was birthed out of two conflagrations, the first and the second World War. There were both conflicts the United States did not start, but we certainly ended and were the beneficiaries of them. Um, So, one of the questions that's posed in 2034 is you know, in this war that the United States and China uh, begin, who ends the war? Because you always want to be the one to end it. And I'll, not to give anything away, it's not the United States and China who end the war and are the beneficiaries of it.
0: Admiral, how much more important is it that we understand within the context of this complexity that that Elliot was talking about, that we have a greater understanding of the military and how the military operates in some of these other countries?
2: Um, We need to learn a lot more about China. And I will tell you, uh, China knows more about us than we do about them. They are very studious in their approach. They spend a lot of time using cyber techniques to probe us very deeply. They have studied the United States very carefully. They construct long-range strategies. I would argue that's what we should be doing. We should spend more time understanding China, picking up and reading books like Henry Kissinger's On China. Read Graham Allison's book, um, The Thucydides Trap, Are We Destined for War with China? We should be reading and learning about China more and creating a long-term strategy. And yes, part of that is understanding the uh, military. And by the way, one of the characters in 2034 is a Chinese Admiral, Lin Bao, who's very sympathetically and I think very accurately drawn. That's the result of a great deal of study, personal experience. We need to do a better job understanding China.
0: And why, Admiral, have we been so poor at understanding them? Why, Why are we so far behind in that regard? We
2: are not good at this as a nation. It is an area that um, we tend to rush in as Americans. We don't take time. We're not an empathetic nation in many ways. It's an area in which we could do a lot.
0: Elliot, talk a little bit about how, in, in this same context that we were just talking about, how you both set about creating these characters and understanding the reactions and and the behavior that might come from the Chinese or the Iranians, et cetera.
1: You know, I, you know, each of these characters in many respects uh, you know, are amalgamations of both of our experience, knowledge. um, And then ultimately I think, you know, we both try to treat every character Uh, and give each character their due on the page. So when, you know, when someone like Admiral Lin Bao of the Chinese Navy or Qasem Farshad of the Iranian Quds Force steps onto the page, you know, they're able to make their case to the reader as if they were making their case before God. Um, So we wanted to create sympathetic characters. You know, this isn't a book where there are good guys and bad guys and one country is a villain and the other country is righteous. You know, there's only one villain in this book, and that's war itself.
0: Admiral, are we making the situation more complex because of our divisions and the nature of our domestic politics today, do you think? Does that put us in greater danger from a national security perspective? Of course
2: it does. And um, I I always feel as though the United States is blessed with so many advantages. We have this immense uh, geography, natural resources, a young population. Uh, People want to emigrate here. We have universities that are still the envy of the world. We have an innovative Silicon Valley. We have so many things going for us, but we have one big thing against us, and it's that division that has really emerged, in my view, in the last 10 years. We've got to overcome that, and it hurts us very deeply simply because both our opponents and our allies Um, believe that we have become unreliable, that the differences um, will create huge swings in our policy. We used to have a saying in this country that uh, politics ends at the water's edge. That's not the case anymore. Real challenge for America.
0: Staying on that point, Admiral, for another minute, one of the ways that, that brings the country together sometimes is the nature of a common enemy. That can have a positive effect in terms of bringing the country together, but it also has a negative effect in perhaps overly demonizing the enemy. Talk about that.
2: Well, first of all, if you think about it, over the last year, we did have a common enemy. It's called COVID. And unfortunately, uh, that certainly didn't bring us together, kind of the opposite. Now, in fairness, it occurred in the middle of an election year, so it's a little difficult to uh to score it completely but the degree to which we've managed to turn wearing a mask into a political statement um disheartens me um, so i wish a common enemy would suddenly bring us all together i think a, a better prescription for us to come together or to um, celebrate those who are bipartisan who are non-partisan to find politicians who'll reach across the aisle and elect them we ought to be Uh, trying to educate better. I think there's a great deal that can be done to educate the populace in all of these zones, starting with how to properly use the internet and not be fooled by uh, a lot of the pollution that runs through it. And and lastly, I think we need to celebrate the idea of all those who serve the nation, police, firemen, diplomats, journalists, and there are many ways to serve the country.
0: Elliot, talk a little bit about cybersecurity and cyber warfare, which is so much of an underlying part of 2034.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, And I invite, you know, Jim to add on to this too, because that's really his area of deep expertise. But I think one of the ways you see it feature in the novel and it does feature prominently is it becomes a great equalizer and it challenges long held American conceptions that we have the dominant military might on the globe. So, you know, today, if, if, you know, we're counting military might as, you know, the, the numbers of tanks you have or the number of aircraft carrier battle groups. Sure, you know, we still hold a position of preeminence, but uh, many nations have made the mistake of believing the next war will look like the last one. And in the opening pages of 2034, we see how cyber and how cyber's ability to take out technology levels the playing field with nations like <clears throat> the United States, China, and even actors like the Iranians and the Russians.
2: I think that's well said. The only thing I would add to that, Jeff, is um, as this decade uh, draws toward its conclusion, say 2027, 2028, quantum computing is coming online. Just, you know, go down a little ways from where you are in Napa and go down to Silicon Valley and talk to them about quantum computing. That is going to re-scramble all of this in ways that are difficult to predict right now. So not only is it dangerous, it's changing rapidly right in front of us.
0: Why, Admiral, have we gotten so behind in this area? This is an area that arguably we should be preeminent.
2: Uh, Three reasons. One is our emphasis on science, technology, engineering, mathematics in our school systems. Uh, Number two, government-supported research has to Here's a different kind of point. It's not so much about our failures, but just the immense importance that China and, frankly, Russia put in both of those areas. And therefore, the gap between us and the other two, if you will, cyber superpowers is narrowing and narrowing rapidly.
0: Elliot, talk a little bit about the framing of, of 2034, particularly in a time frame. I mean, when we go back 13 years, not much has changed between two thousand eight and uh, you know where we are today at twenty twenty one. Looking forward from where we are to twenty thirty four, how much do you expect will change, particularly within the world of of global dynamics and also in terms of technology and warfare?
1: Well, I think it depends somewhat on how you look at the scope of the change. You know, for instance. Uh in 2008, the iPhone didn't exist. And I think we've seen how that technology has fundamentally reshaped social interactions uh, across the globe. You know, if you were to look back historically speaking, in 1939, the United States had the 19th largest military in the world, right behind that of Portugal. So think where we were in 1949. Um, So, you know, oftentimes the only thing that you can be certain about is the fact that change will occur and frequently it will be dramatic. You know, this book, 2034, you know, is not a prediction. Um, It's really a speculation, a cautionary tale saying these things could happen and we should all be very much aware and awake to the idea that they are possibilities. Uh, And it's really on us to make sure that they don't happen. Admiral, you were going to Jeff, say?
2: if
0: I could
1: just yeah.
2: add to that. Yeah, that um, finish this phrase with me. I could never imagine that the World Trade Towers would get knocked down. I could never imagine a 20 year war in Afghanistan. I could never imagine a global pandemic that grinds life in America to a halt. There are a lot of things that happen that we can never imagine. And therefore, our charter is to try and imagine the dark side of the spectrum so we can learn how to avoid it.
0: For both of you, Elliot, I want to start with you and, and, and then the admiral. As you worked on this project, as the two of you collaborated, as you, you put this together, what were some of the things that surprised the two of you in terms of where this could go and how dangerous the situation could be and places where it could all go wrong?
1: Elliot? There are a number of areas, but the one I would say that was the most surprising to me was that when we began this project, the the projected date was much further in the future. And the more we mapped out the story, the more of it that we wrote, the more deeply we imagined these events, I think the more the two of us came to the conclusion that, no, this was actually closer than we originally projected. And that date kept creeping incrementally uh, up and up and up and up until we talked about the date so much that we realized it was the title of the book, 2034. Um, So in many ways, the immediacy of the story is what most surprised me. Admiral?
2: What surprises me still is that neither the U.S. nor China uh, recognize the extraordinary danger of uh, operating and falling into a Cold War, because here's a newsflash, not all Cold Wars stay cold. Many of them go hot and skirmishes lead to battles and battles lead to wars. We dodged an enormous bullet in the Cold War, most obviously during the Cuban Missile Crisis, in which we almost blew up the world. We've got to wake up to what's happening between the U.S. and China and find ways to avoid sleepwalking into a global
0: conflict. It could happen. Admiral, does the nature of technology today make the likelihood of of a mistake escalating faster or, or more slowly than it might have during the Cold War?
2: There's a bit of both as follows. Um, certainly, everything is accelerated. And again, we've talked about it already, but cyber uh, moves literally at the speed of thought. So that portion of it is going to move at extreme speed. In the good news category, communications are vastly better. We talked a moment ago about hotlines reaching out. Um, if, If the leaders in August of 1914 had had the ability to put together a conference call and have a conversation, they might have avoided the conflagration of the First World War. So there's a bit of both on balance. I think, unfortunately, uh, I'm more worried than I am reassured by the speed of technology.
0: And finally, for both of you, Elliot, start with you. The thing that you most would like policymakers that read 2034 to come away with from this book?
1: Well, I think we've already touched on some of it, but it is a commitment to doing the deep type of imaginative work. To, to recognize these scenarios and to keep them very much in the foremost of thought. And I think this you know, absolutely does already happen, but I think we need to be continually recommitting uh, to that type of work so that situations and scenarios that seem wholly implausible uh, are not dismissed as such uh, and that we, we pay real attention to them. Admiral? Um,
2: Barbara Tuckman wrote a book. She wrote many wonderful books. But the one I would point to is called The March of Folly. And it focuses on a number of things, but how America stumbled into the war in Vietnam. I would say to policymakers, do not underestimate the March of Folly. Do not underestimate how either we or China could miscalculate and we could end up in a war that is in neither nation's interests. That's what I hope they take away from the book.
0: Admiral James DeVridis, Elliot Ackerman, their novel is 2034, a novel of the next world war. Gentlemen, I thank you both for spending time with us today.
2: Thanks so much, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you.